0: Okay, we are doing a sermon series as a church. Uh, we started it last week. It's called Disciple, Be One, Make One. And last week we spent the morning looking at how the goal of the church is to make disciples who make disciples. And uh, a lot of times I think we as the, the church, I, I would say the church, not just this church, but the church, we, we can kind of get off track on what the goal of the church is is about. And Jesus really left no room for questions on what the goal of the church is. He ended his time on earth by commanding us to go and make disciples of all nations. And 2,000 years later, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't changed. The church's leadership team, we don't need to go up into the mountains for a couple of weeks and hear from God on what the direction of the church is. Jesus already made it clear. It's to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and yet so often we get focused on everything else. We get focused on uh, weekend services, we get focused on um, uh, better programs, more outreach, because everything else just seems so important, right? These are all important, but they're not the goal. Sometimes um, we're kind of like a football team that's focusing, and I got a couple of football illustrations this morning. I'm sorry, I was planning for the win. So if it brings up any bitter memories, uh, try to put those aside, okay? But... uh Sometimes the church can be like a football team that's focusing on good things, just not the most important team, a uh, thing. Imagine a football team where the focus is all on the quarterback making great throws, or it's all on uh, helping the running backs break tackles, or it's all on helping the defense read plays well, or um, on, on making great sacks and tackles. And all the while forgetting the great throws, catches, runs, and hits are not the goal, What's the goal of football? The goal of football is actually pretty simple. It's to score more points than your opponent. And uh, the other stuff matters, but not if you're not accomplishing the most important goal. And when it comes to the church, life-giving services, solid preaching, people getting baptized, ministry, these all matter, but they're not the goal. The goal of the church is disciples making disciples. Which leads to the question, well, what in the world is a disciple? And, and, and why does it even matter? Um, for starters, uh, while the word Christian is used only three times in the New Testament, the word disciple is used 297 times. A little bit kind of lopsided there. It seems like this disciple thing is a pretty big deal in the Bible. And yet, if I were to ask um, all of us this morning, give your definition of a, of a disciple, we would have a bunch of different answers as to what that, that is. Everyone has a different idea of what it means. And really, for good reason. There isn't one verse in the Bible that goes like this. A disciple is. You're not going to find that, that in the Bible. There's not a glossary in the back of your Bible that explains exactly the definition of some of these words that, that um, can be a little bit um, tricky to understand. And this is a problem. And here's why. If, if the goal of the church is making disciples, it's important that we're all on the same page as to exactly what a disciple is. And to use another football analogy, this will be the last one, um, imagine that a quarterback pulls all of his guys together in a huddle, and he calls the play. They're all excited. They're pumped. They, they love this this play. And so they, they, they're, they're ready to go. However, they all have a different idea of how to run the play. What's going to happen I- if that happens? They're going to get in the huddle. They're going to go on the line of scrimmage. And then the quarterback's going to yell, hut, hut. And they're all going to run different directions. They're going to be tripping over one another. They're going to be knocking into one another. Because they all have a different idea of what the play is. And it works the same way with the church when we all have a, a different idea of what the goal is. We all, if a dis, making disciples is the goal, if we all have a different understanding of what a disciple is, then we're all going to be trying to tackle that goal a little bit differently. So it only makes sense that if that's the goal, we all be working from the same definition. And so this morning what we're going to do is look at what a disciple is. And by the time we're done this morning, you're going to know whether or not you are, on, or you, are per, you are personally on the track to being a disciple of Jesus. And you'll also know the goal that the leadership of this church is after. You'll know what winning looks like for us. And there's one verse in the Bible that captures, I believe, what, what a disciple is more than any other. It's found in a short story in the book of Matthew where we find Um, Jesus and he's hanging out at one of his favorite places. He's hanging out at the beach and we read this in the Bible. We read while walking by the Sea of Galilee, this is found in Matthew chapter 4, while walking by the Sea of Galilee he saw two brothers, Simon who was called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. And and here's the key verse that we're going to be hanging out on this morning. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So you have four fishermen, one invitation, four yeses. And the world would literally never be the same. And I want to spend the rest of our time on this invitation that Jesus gave to these these men. He invites them to be his disciples by simply saying, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And it's a bit of a strange invitation, um, fishing for men. But we see in this invitation the definition of what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is is someone whose life is characterized by three things that we find hidden within this uh, this invitation that Jesus gives. First, um, if you're taking notes this morning, this is all in the notes. First, a a, a disciple is someone who is following Jesus. Jesus says, follow me. Now, for these four guys, 2,000 years ago, following Jesus was actually a pretty simple thing to do. Um, if he goes to the beach, you go to the beach. If he goes to uh, home, you go to the home with him. If he stops and take takes a break on a journey, you stop and take a break. When he says it's time to get up and travel again, you travel again. If If he says it's time for lunch, you you have lunch. But we have a bit of a problem today, don't we? <laughs> we can't see him. He's invisible. Isn't that just great? and And, and today, we walk by faith. We don't walk by sight. But it still raises the question, well, how do I follow Jesus if I can't see him? How do I do that? And, and here's how, uh, just three things for you this morning. Here's, here's how you can follow Jesus and what it looks like It means to follow Jesus. In order to follow Jesus, I need to know Jesus. This is really where following starts. You know, I, I heard this story a lot. I, I grew up in the church, and so this story uh, where Jesus gives this invitation to these four guys, it's if you grew up in the church, you hear it in the Sunday school, you hear it a lot. Um, and whenever I, I heard this story growing up in the church, I always thought in my head, I saw Jesus and these four guys that he didn't know, and I saw these four guys just deciding to randomly follow this stranger with just this, like, crazy abandon. But that's not actually how it works. Um, these guys knew Jesus before this, this, uh, this, this, portion of this, this story that we read this morning. They'd gotten to know Jesus a little bit. Um, Peter, for example, who was one of these guys, who was also named Simon, he had he'd been getting to know Jesus um, quite a bit. And in fact, Scripture talks about how Jesus had visited Peter's home um, and visited and, and healed Peter's mother-in-law. Peter lent Jesus his boat on one occasion. Um, Peter had seen Jesus at work, heard him teach. Peter knew Jesus, Now, he kind of knew him from a a bit of a distance, but still he knew a little bit about what Jesus uh, was was all about. Following Jesus starts with knowing Jesus, but then it also continues as you get to know him even more. And so how do we get to know him today? Well, by talking to him in prayer. We get to know him by reading our Bibles and hearing him speak, by setting time aside to be with him. Uh, We get to know him by having people in our lives who are also followers of Jesus and, and can help us understand who Jesus is and, and what he's like. And as you get to know him, here's what will happen. You'll be able to follow him. You'll begin to live the way that he wants you to live, do what he wants you to do, go where he wants you to go. Um, over in uh, Kids Rock this morning, a little bit later on, we don't have Kids Rock in the first service, but um, they're also going to be talking a little bit about following Jesus. And I saw their lesson plan this week and, and they have a list of questions to help the kids understand what it means to follow Jesus. And I thought that they were helpful, and I want to read some of them to you this morning. So you have new neighbors, and they need help moving in. What do you do to follow Jesus? Well, when you know Jesus, the answer to that question is kind of easy. You, you, you help them, because that's who Jesus is. That's, that's what he's like. Um, your friend forgets her lunch on the same day your mom packs your favorite sandwich That gets a little tougher. But when you know Jesus, you know what to do to follow him. You share your lunch. You want to watch Mega Shark Mania 4000, but your big sister wants to watch Celebrity Algebra Competition. What do you do to follow Jesus? Well, when you know Jesus, you know that it's about being selfless. He's about love. He's about giving up what we want for the sake of others. And so you let your sister watch Celebrity Algebra Competition competition challenge. In order to follow Jesus, you need to know Jesus, and you also need to trust Jesus, to trust Jesus. Peter and the other disciples, um, they displayed a tremendous amount of trust. They had no idea where Jesus was going to lead them, and yet they followed. And it's the same with us. Jesus asks us to follow him, and he does not say, this is what the journey is going to look like. Here's what the road ahead is going to look like. Now, he gives us a little bit of an idea, but a lot of it is, is, is hidden. And Jesus, yet yeah, he invites us to follow him. Listen to his invitation. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever, wants, whoever loses their life for me will save it. And following him, I mean, there's just no way around it. Following him is going to require trust. You need to trust Jesus to follow Jesus. You also need to submit to Jesus. Now that's a word that's not super popular with, with any of us in the room, I think, if we're honest. But you can't follow Jesus unless you submit to Jesus. And, and here's the deal with following Jesus. It's not just about him being your friend. It's about him being your Lord. He's the leader. You're the follower. And notice that when Jesus comes along to these guys on the beach, he doesn't come along and say to them, hey guys, how do you feel about maybe hanging out with me this week? He doesn't, he doesn't say that. Think of how different his invitation to follow him is from if he came along and said, hey, guys, I want you to hang out with me. If he simply says, uh, hey, let's hang out, they'd be thinking, nice, Jesus wants to be my homie. He wants to be my bud. We're going to be, I'm going to make a new friend with Jesus. This is pretty sweet. But, but follow me, that's a whole lot different. They're thinking, okay, Jesus is going somewhere. And he wants me to go with him. He has some plans that he wants me to be a part of. There's some direction. Um, This isn't just about relationship. This is about about so much more. And it's at this point that a lot of people actually hesitate when it comes to following Jesus. And truly being a disciple of his. They're thinking, why would I follow Jesus when I don't even really know where he's leading me? I don't have the full picture. Or... I like where I'm at in my life. Why would I want to go somewhere else? I'm okay with maybe being his friend from time to time, but following him wherever he leads? No, I'm not sure I can fully trust him um, that he's going to lead me to the best place for me. And it's here that, that we encounter these two words that are such a key part of the Christian faith. The two words are faith and trust. Do I trust that he's good? Do I trust that he loves me? And that, that the direction he's asking me to go or the way he's leading me to live is the best. Do I trust that? But you've got to understand something. You cannot follow Jesus as a friend without also submitting to Jesus as Lord. You just can't. 75% of people in the U.S., 75% say they believe in God and they call themselves Christian. This was from a, a uh, um, research that was recently done. Seventy-five percent would would call themselves a Christian, but that number gets a whole lot smaller when it comes to people who are actually submitting their lives to, to Jesus and would say, yeah, I'm a disciple, a follower of Jesus going wherever he leads. We begin to be his disciples when we understand that we are positioned behind Jesus. He leads. We follow. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do what I command And yes, Jesus invited his disciples into a relationship with him, but he was not just another acquaintance or pal of theirs. He is God Almighty, creator of the heavens and the earth. And let me just say to all of you in the room who maybe you doubt and you get nervous about submitting to the leadership of of anyone, let alone Jesus, let me just say there is no one on the entire planet who I would rather submit my life to than Jesus, Nobody else. Everything that I want in a leader, I find in Jesus. I find a, a leader who is courageous. I find a leader who's trustworthy. I find a leader who loves me like crazy. A leader who is, who is out for, he, he's, he's, he's for me, he's not against me. I find a leader who is humble. I find a leader who is kind. He's good. I could go on and on and on. But there's nobody I'd rather be following than Jesus. So the first part of being a disciple is to follow Jesus, and Jesus' invitation to follow him is an offer to be in relationship with him, and it's an offer that extends to everyone. Everyone. Your social status doesn't matter. Your income level doesn't matter. Whatever you've done in the past, however bad it might be, that doesn't matter. He invites everyone to follow him. So following Jesus is the first part. And the second part of being a disciple is this. A disciple is someone who is being changed by Jesus. Notice that when Jesus comes to, the, to Peter and the guys on the beach, he doesn't just say, follow me, and then end it at that. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you something. I'm going to change you. I'm going to work on your life. I'm going to work on your heart. I'm going to be changing you. So a disciple is someone who's being changed by Jesus, and he's making us into, into something. He's changing us into a lot of different Things in a lot of different ways, but most of all, what he's doing is he is changing us to be like him. He's making us like him. And the Bible says this in Romans chapter 8 it says, God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. And as you follow Jesus, the idea is that what you get to learn and know about him doesn't just stay up here in your head, but it drops down here and shapes your heart, it shapes who you are, it shapes your attitudes. It shapes your motivations. Um, it, 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 it changes everything about you. And this change, it's, it's a supernatural change that you just can't do on your own. You can't make it happen. It's the work of the Holy Spirit, which is really good news for people like me. Because I tend to hear his invitation, and I hear it as an invitation to work really hard to follow a bunch of different religious rules and become some well-behaved, moralistic person in the process. But that's not what Jesus is inviting us into at all. And, and he's, he's not inviting us to try harder. Instead, he's inviting us to follow him and let him do the changing. He says, follow me and I will make you. And there are two pieces of evidence that will shine the light on whether or not you're, you're being changed. And these two things, they, they get to the heart of the change that God wants to make in our lives. This evidence of change is not what many people think it is. You know, a, a lot of us, when we think about the change that, that God is making in our lives, we think, okay, well, 40 years from now, I'll be able to look back and go, okay, now I'm, I'm, I'm consistently attending a church service, or I'm reading my Bible more, or I am in a small group now, or I tithe, or I understand doctrine and theology way more than I ever have. You know, those are, are, are good things, but they're not the evidence of change that God's after. At least not the primary evidence of change. The evidence of change is more love of God and more love for people. That's what God is primarily primarily after. If he wasn't after that, he wouldn't have said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and the second to love your neighbor as yourself. This is what God is after. He is making you into a relational person as someone who loves more. You love God more and that you want to know him, you pursue him, you want to be with him, you want to put him first and you love people more, and that you're, you're putting yourself um, second and others first. You're, you're being kinder, a more caring person, someone who will fight on behalf of others. And we see this evidence in Peter and John, two of the guys that were on the beach that day that Jesus called them. Peter and John, if you read about their lives, they start off as, as being guys that are kind of self-centered, guys that were all about themselves. But as you, as you read through the scriptures, you see how these guys are changed. And in the book of Acts, this is uh, after Jesus has gone back up into heaven, we find Peter and John. They're kind of out for a little stroll. And as they're walking along, they notice this, um, this guy who can't walk um, on the side of the road. And they didn't just keep going. In the Bible, no, they, they stop and they've, they've got this new compassion and love in their hearts for people. And so they stop, they talk to this guy, they end up praying for this guy. And they watch as God does this awesome miracle in this guy's life. And while all this is happening, people are kind of standing around. They're watching. They see Peter and John. They see him talking to this guy. And this, this guy actually got healed. He ends up walking again. And as the people are standing around watching, the Bible describes what's going on in these people's minds. It says this. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And listen to this. They took note that these men had been with Jesus. They're like, okay, something, something's going on here. Because we, we know these two guys. And, and they've got this new courage, this new, they're just different. And they go, okay, they've, they've been with Jesus. That's what's going on. And Jesus, he, he saw the potential in them that no one else saw, that they probably didn't even see themselves. And he comes in and he works and he changes them and he makes them into these guys that are more like him, more loving, more caring um, courageous, world-changing guys. And as you follow Jesus, as you get to know him and trust him and you, you submit to his leadership in your life, he will change you. He just will. He'll change your, your, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, he will change you. So a disciple is someone who's following Jesus, is someone who's being changed by Jesus, and lastly, is someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus Jesus invitation to the four guys on the beach is not just about them it's not just follow me and I'm gonna make you into something how often is, isn't that just what so much of, of Christianity in, in in our country is about it's about it's just about me it's about my personal change it's about me becoming something it's about me uh, getting free and getting healed and getting whole and And yes, it is about that, but it doesn't stop at that. Jesus says, follow me, and I'm going to make you into fishers of men. He's inviting them to join him in the mission that he's on, to seek and save the lost, to make disciples of all nations. And Jesus' invitation wasn't, I'm inviting you to be my disciples, so grab a seat at CTK on Sunday morning. Grab a pen and some sermon notes. This this week, we're starting a 10-week sermon series. No, it was much bigger than that. It was Kate. Follow me, and I'm going to make you into fishers of men. Follow me, and I'm going to train you. I'm going to make you into these guys that are going to make disciples of all nations. He was literally sending them out with a mission and mes- message that would flip the world upside down. That's what his invitation was all about. And tomorrow we, we celebrate, and um, we remember a man who understood this better than most. Martin Luther King Jr. was not just a good man who stood up for civil rights. Um, he, was a, he was a follower of Jesus. He was a, a man who had, had left to put aside his own personal wants and, and had, he, he was all in with following Jesus. And he understood, too, what it meant to be committed to the mission. Listen to what he said. He said, we need to recapture the gospel glow of the early Christians who were nonconformists in the truest sense of the word. Their powerful gospel put an end to such barbaric evils as infanticide and bloody gladiatorial contests. Finally they captured the Roman Empire for Jesus Christ. Martin Luther King Jr. understood that this, this, this call to be a follower of Jesus was about going out into the world with the good news. The gospel of a God who loves, who saves. And, and he went out and preached this gospel of freedom, justice and um, equality, love for every man and woman. In the process, he changed changed his world. I love what, what path, pastor and author Jim Putman says. He says this, the church was not designed to be a group of spectators who attend weekly lectures. It was designed to be a trained army with a powerful message. That message is the good news of a Savior who came to to set us free, a Savior who came to give us hope, a life of purpose where we're caught up in the most epic rescue mission in history. And I'll just say this. You, you can't be a disciple and stay inward focused. You just can't. Discipleship is about getting on board with the mission of Jesus to reach a lost and broken world. So this is, this is, this is a disciple. Someone who's following Jesus. It's someone who's being changed by Jesus. And it's someone who is committed to the mission of Jesus. And this morning, let me just ask, where are you in relation to each of these? Where are you personally at this morning? You know, maybe there's some of you in the room today, um, you've got no problem calling yourself a Christian, but a disciple? That's a little bit, that's a little bit different. You're not too sure about that. You're not too sure about submitting to Jesus. Um, you know, you're okay with kind of attaching the Christian values to what you believe, but, but to be a disciple, you're just, you're not too sure you're not sure he's alive or that all those crazy stories in the Bible about him walking on water and calming the sea. You're not too sure if those are true. You're not sure he's really the only way to the Father. If you're not sure, you're still on the fence about following Jesus today. And Jesus, he is asking you. That's the invitation that this Jesus who is, who is alive, who is here this morning, he's asking you. To get off the fence, He's, and, and how do you do that? It's simple, but it's costly. It's simple in that it's making a decision to put your faith and trust in Jesus, but it's, it's costly in that he doesn't just ask for an hour of your Sunday mornings. He asks for your whole life. He says, will you surrender your life? Will you put your faith and trust in me and follow me wherever I lead? And maybe there's someone here today who's following Jesus but you, you just have the wrong idea of what it's all about. You think it means you have to work really hard. And Jesus is saying to you this morning, relax. Now just trust in me. Be at rest. Just follow me. Be with me. Get to know me. Trust me. Submit to me. And let me do the changing in your life. I'm going I'm I'm to be faithful to, to you. I'm going to change you. In my timing and in my way, I'm going to come along and change you. And if that's, if you're in that kind of legalistic kind of, I just got to work really hard to make Jesus happy, Jesus is saying, let it go. Just let it go. Let, let me be the one who is, who is changing you. And then for someone else this morning, God is saying, you've been following me for a long time, but it's been mostly about you. This life isn't just about what you lay down. It's about what you pick up. And one of those things that, that Jesus is asking you to pick up this morning is this mission to go and make disciples of all nations. And, and to, a, to, to, the, to be a person who lives their life, not just for, for ourselves, but for the world around us, that's what Jesus is calling us into this morning. And the great thing about this mission to make disciples is that, that we don't go alone. You know, it can be overwhelming when you think, okay, go and make disciples, help people follow Jesus and be changed by Jesus and get committed to this mission. That sounds overwhelming. But it doesn't have to be. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. And um, we all play a part. Everybody plays a part in this mission. It takes an entire team. He's not asking us to do this by ourselves. It takes an entire church if we're going to be about making disciples, about accomplishing this goal. Every follower of Jesus, you've been given gifts. You've been given abilities. Um, if, uh, If the church is a team, the team cannot win unless everyone gets in the game. And you have a role to play. You might think, well, no, I don't. I don't know enough of my Bible. I've only been a Christian for a couple of weeks. I want you to understand something this morning. The moment you gave your life to Jesus was the moment you decided to walk out of the stands and get on the field and be a part of the team, the church. And God has given you gifts we all have a different part. The body talks in 1 Corinthians 12 about how, how the body is made up of many different parts, the body of the church. Everybody's got a role in accomplishing this mission. And I would love to unpack with you right now what that looks like, but you're going to have to wait until the next several weeks to understand what this looks like. But God's calling us. He's calling us as a church, and he's calling you, whether you are a, consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not, He is calling and inviting you the same way that he invited these four fishermen on the beach 2,000 years ago. He's inviting you to follow him and and let him make you into his image. Let him make you into someone who's committed to this mission to the world around you. And so I just would be encouraging you to be praying about what that looks like for you. Um, Dive into some of these scriptures. Last week I challenged you to go home and memorize Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And uh, this week, I'm going to challenge you to memorize Matthew 4.19. That's the verse we read where Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. There you go. You probably already have it memorized. But, but memorize that. Let it, let it sink into your heart and your soul. Pray through it. Jesus, what does this look like for me? Jesus, change me. Jesus, help me to be someone who is, who is after the same things that you're after. And uh, um, as you do that, I, I believe he's going to work in your heart. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, Lord, it's been so good this morning to um, just to, to be here and to be able to sing songs to you and to worship you and and to just dive into what your Word says about this this idea of discipleship. And Lord, you are calling us, inviting us into something that is way bigger than ourselves. And uh, Lord, when I think about what you're calling us into, and even on a personal level, what you're calling me into, God, I feel like one of those those fishermen on the beach. I'm sure they're just going, "Uh, me? I'm just an ordinary guy. There's not much to me. Jesus, why me? But nevertheless, here you are this morning, Jesus, giving the same invitation to follow you and let you make us fishers of men. And so, Father, I pray that, Lord, as you uh, ask us to do that, Lord, I pray that, that, Father, we would have a faith in you. I pray a trust in you. I pray, Jesus, that within us, God, would, would awaken this vision, Jesus, to be, uh, to have a, a Christianity, to have a faith that is about so much more than just weekend services, about so much more than, than, than Bible studies, and God, may we be awakened to um, th- the vision, Lord, of this Christianity that's about really flipping the world upside down with the good news of a God who, who saves. God, give us the, a vision for that, I pray. God, may we have that vision for our personal lives. God, may we have that vision for our marriages, our families. God, and for our church, to be a people that is about following you, knowing you, trusting you, joyfully submitting to you, because you're God, because you're good, because you love us, because you're worthy. You are so, so worthy. So Father, I pray that you would move among us. Speak to us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.